Hear that cranberry sizzling? I'm whipping up a crock of my famous solstice cran grog. It's three parts roasted cranberry, two parts rum, a lemon peel, a half quart of fresh birch syrup, and a sprinkling of my all-spice cinnamon cayenne blend. It's the perfect bitter concoction to get you through a season of pine needle piles from what looked like a green tree when you paid 80 bucks for it, long dinners full of awkward revelations about your second cousin, spoiler, she slept with her math teacher, or smiling through gifts that let you know that no one really knows the true you. It can be tough to get through the holidays, can't it? People tend to die, which throws a real curveball into the festivities, too. Sometimes you just remember that someone's no longer around, and you think, lucky them. But all that is why we cling to the ancient rituals this time of year, the jingling of bells, the jolly plump elves, the sneaking into the garden section at Lowe's to bury a small figure carved from a bar of ivory soap that accurately resembles your enemy, Lou, the manager at Lowe's, for example. Well, we're going to explore some ways to help you survive the holidays in this special edition of The Deep Night. Open the holiday portal! friends, hello. Festive greetings unto you and Gaia's blessings. I'm Dale Seaver, and allow me to be your stocking stuffer, your portable space heater, and your gorgeous and intricate snowflake. No two are alike. And even if science proves that wrong, it's nice to believe it, isn't it? That we're each individual, when really, we're all just the same writhing clumps of jealousy, pain, and ambition. It's true. We should focus on what makes us all similar instead of insisting on how special we are. I was told I was special all my life. And look how that turned out. (laughs) Well, we come to you tonight, as we always do, from the foul banks of the Gowanus. In the tongue of the Iroquois, Gowanus means pool with no swimmers. Tonight, we're tackling the challenges of the holiday season head-on. It's winter, almost, and that means to our old forest-dweller brains that it's time to load in as much food as possible into these bodies and snuggle down into a hole, cover our fat sleeping selves with leaves and twigs, and wait things out until we hear the first chirping birds of spring and smell the fresh rains of March and April. But we have jobs and solstice parties to attend. And, oh, what about this family that keeps insisting we get together and eat large meats? I know. The modern human just can't sneak off into the woods. Well, that's not entirely true. The winter of 95 was kind of a scary one for me. I had just broken off a sudden engagement to a gal who loved rocky New England beaches and collecting exotic bird feathers. And having just lost a gig hosting a big corporate event to Bucky Standover, you remember him? He was on Premium Blend once, and he never let you forget it. His entire act was based on a plaid shirt. Anyway, I was really hoping to land the 6K from the corporate event, and he got it, and I was alone, without a job, no income, and stranded in Warwick, Rhode Island. So I found a tall and sturdy pine one night, and I climbed the tall branches. And owing to a few tugs from a Peabody's coffee cup full of Jim Beam, I fell asleep under a cloudy sky, the kind of clouds that turn the sky pink from all the street lamps. Well, I didn't realize it, but I was in the Warwick Presbyterian Church, beloved giant Christmas tree, a tall white pine that grows at the edge of their auxiliary parking lot, which they leave decorated with lights all year round. But on December 1, 
they adorned the thing with specialty ornaments sent in from other Presbyterian affiliates from around the world. I woke up to the sound of children singing, Oh, Tannenbaum, and right next to a giant holiday shield ornament carved by parishioners in the Myungsung Church of Addis Ababa. They signed it, which is how I knew, and I was up there just staring at it on account of I didn't want the children to notice me sleeping in the tree. I was very familiar with that ornament. Eventually, when night came again, I crawled back down, though not before getting my loafer caught on a strand of lights. I lost the loafer, which almost took out a Japanese pagoda ornament on the way down. I limped back to my apartment above the video store and decided that spending the holidays alone wasn't all that great either, so I used my last credit card to book an economy seat near the bathroom on a Peter Pan bus down to Pennsylvania and spent the new year with my extended family there. The good news was that Santa brought me a new pair of Cuban-heeled boots with a zipper, and they offer much more stability when climbing a mighty deciduous tree something I have done only one or two times since. Well, I think the best way to get through the holidays is to take some time and reflect on your being and who you are. One can lose oneself trying to meet or, in some cases, trying to defy the preconceived notions from family or co-workers or other warlocks who may be getting on your nerves as they insist on handling the money for the annual fire ceremonies, and then they goof up the accounting every time and we end up with a shortfall when really there should have been plenty of money, Terry. So how can we maintain ourselves? Well, perhaps we should try something that has proven itself to work. <laughs> That's right, a guided meditation. I'd like to offer you a guided meditation for the holidays. And maybe we'll do a couple. But first up, let's prepare our minds and bodies. Let's prepare our connections for the solstice. All right, well, let us begin. Focus on my voice, and remember to keep breathing throughout. I won't always be able to remind you, so you're going to have to look after your own breathing, but it's in and then out, so just keep doing that. Now, picture yourself somewhere you'd like to be this winter, someplace safe and warm, maybe near a fire in a Pocono A-frame, or a tropical beach on a last-minute splurge to Costa Rica. Do you have that in your mind? Great. Now wipe that away because you forgot you agreed to go paddleboarding in New Jersey with some friends of a friend. Someone texted, we should get together for real, and you mistakenly followed up with a yes, please, closed eye emoji, clap, clap. And they responded, do you like water? And you were like, absolutely. And they said, boat or paddleboard? And you recall going deep sea fishing with your father one time and how miserable you were then or that time you got sick on a fun school trip with a rich parent's catamaran out on the Chesapeake. So you say, paddleboard sounds fun, and then there you are. Picture yourself, someone who has never been on a paddleboard, but a person who saw it once from afar, and it seemed very tranquil and easy. You were enjoying salmon on a deck, and someone paddled by into the sunset. Was it Seattle? It was. Now here you are in the marshland of New Jersey. Look to your left. There are signs encouraging you not to go into the reeds on account of a ballooning tick population. On the other side, more signs. More ticks. You close your eyes and you can almost hear the ticks crawling on every one of the tall reeds swaying in the cold breeze that carries hints of sulfur and hops from the local brewing company and the factories nearby. But this is a spiritual journey that we're on. Let's imagine that when you remove your shoes and begin praying that they don't become the home for a ball of needy ticks, that the paddleboard can glide over any problem. The water, the thick, slow water of New Jersey, that this 
Is it a lake? Is it a river? Let's say it's a river. This river is your consciousness, and you're going to skim over the top of it, riding aloft with your little paddle, skimming across the surface, never dipping in too far, never submerging, just dipping that plastic ore in the side, and then that side, and then this side again, and onward. Using your eyes, trace the handle of the oar down to where it meets and breaks the water's surface. What is that, a jellyfish? Oh, my gosh! There's so many jellyfish. Why are there so many jellyfish in New Jersey? It's in the winter. Well, this is wrong, you think. There are a lot of jellyfish. Their white, translucent bodies floating just below the surface and then darting back under the green-brown water. Its tendrils look like they've been crocheted by an elderly woman making a Kleenex box cozy. Fluffy. But like that elderly lady, you know you shouldn't get close enough to touch. Well, this is distracting, and it makes you uh, very afraid that you'll fall in. There are dangers in your mind, your self-image, little poisonous, gelatinous creatures ready to swarm and sting you, bad thoughts and corrosive feelings of doubt, of sexual inadequacy, maybe, or a lack of trust in your partner who seems to spend more than she makes. Ah! Push these soft-bodied feelings down further below. Watch as they disappear into the shallow darkness. I'm fine, you say to yourself. I'm fine. I can do this. I'm staying upright. I'm moving forward. The paddle party continues to drift out further now into the river. Little waves roil the surface, but you are undaunted. Can the others hear you? It's not clear or important. You're farther out now, a New Jersey transit train clatters along the elevated tracks. You watch it go by overhead. Other people moving a different way. Are you jealous of them, their speed, their direction? Are they even going where you want to go? Speaking of which, how much longer is this excursion anyway? You've lost sight of the tour leader. She's much more experienced at this. You should have been more open about your own experience. That's a good lesson to put in your lesson pouch. You turn quickly to see if anyone is behind you. The pelting rain has started, and you wish you'd worn something warmer. You can hear the engine of a speedboat in the distance, and just as you turn your head back, a larger wave surges beneath the board. You start to lose your balance. You think of the jellyfish. You think of the exhaust and the leaking oil and gasoline from the refineries and all the boats. As you tilt toward the surface, you see a fishing boat off in the distance. What are they looking for? Will you find the same thing? You don't want to be wet the rest of the day, but sploosh! You're submerged in your subconscious. It's cold and surprisingly shallow. Your feet hit the muck and softly sink down a bit. You're careful not to let the water get in your mouth. You've failed. Or you've learned more about yourself. You scramble back on the board, instantly forgetting everything the instructor briefly told you about how you should do it if you ever fall in and need to get back on. But you do it. You drip. You paddle back to the shore, and it takes forever. Your wrinkled feet hit the mud of the shore, and you are thankful. You are you. And you are centered and fully present. Wasn't that an afternoon out in New Jersey slash your mind? Now you've experienced something that you thought was going to be bad, dipping in a filthy sea of your own depressing thoughts, and you know what? You got a little damp, a little hungry. But you know you. You are unstoppable this holiday season. Oh, do you feel it? Do you feel that progress? 
I'm so invigorated by all that we've done so far. It's just begun. And it means we can go even deeper with the work that we're doing. Let's explore now what it means to have to be fully present when receiving presents. Let us explore ways to endure something many of you out there are going to have to deal with, especially those currently wearing some item of clothing that's made of crushed velvet. A solstice new moon gift exchange. And now would be a good time to breathe in and breathe out. Imagine that moon. You think it's new. It might be newish. The point is, you've been invited to a receiving circle at Brother Ferris's retreat in Kundalini Center in Nyack. And your wife really wants to go. She wants to go a little too much, which is already giving you pause. And the fact that she was very involved in the Kundalini scene a few years back gives your pauses a pause, because there is an awful lot of erotic breathing on the tapes you accidentally put in the car stereo once. But you agree, because let's face it, she's often busy with clients and always sneaking off in the middle of the night. So many rituals happen in the dark. And your snoring has only gotten worse, she reminds you, so that's why she sleeps in her own room and you in your sleep hammock in the living room, which you have to take down every day so she can watch her holiday movies on the big screen. And look, even if it's just the car ride up, it'll be nice to spend some time together, not just weirdly breathing in one another's presence or silently polishing crystals. If you talk too much, she tells you, it ruins the energy. You know what else ruins the energy? You think to yourself, but then you stifle the negative thoughts and push them down like a jellyfish under the water in a polluted New Jersey river. We hire a car to take us there. Now it's expensive, more than you wanted to spend. But this way, if you have a spiritual experience, well, you don't need to worry about driving home. And I'm not keen on staying over up there with a bunch of sexed-up yogis and leanies. I mean, look, sex is great, but when it's happening to other people at a social function, I'm less enthused. I mean, you. You are less enthused. You like sex. You like sex meditation. You go for it. You are completely comfortable in your skin, because this is about you. You've already done all sorts of tantric things in your life wherever you live. I imagine it's a nice home with a finished basement. Maybe some aloe plants in the bathroom. You turn the invite over in your hand. Come, let us light the fire that will carry us through the new year. Join Ferris, Sister Rebecca, and Janice for a night under the new moon. We will plant the seeds. Oh, Ferris and Rebecca have a nice enough relationship, but Janice, how'd they ever meet her, you wonder? You look out the window at the city skyline you can see through the dead branches of the trees, twinkling lights streaking by. The highway is dark and there are stars out. You ask the driver if she minds if you crack the window a bit. The heat is on and it's too warm and you're regretting the scarf. What are you going to do with that scarf anyway? You begin to worry about what will happen if it slides out of your sleeve when the host takes it to throw it on the bed with the other coats. You've lost a lot of good scarves this way, you remind your wife, who urges you not to worry. She takes your hand in her enormous velvety paw. Her gold bangle bracelets clank against your wristwatch. You've worn a watch every day since the sixth grade, and now the skin underneath is discolored from never having been exposed to sunlight. You scratch at your arm absent-mindedly. Ferris greets you at the large wooden door. Janice takes your coat. You're really worried about that scarf, so you hold on to it as she moves towards the stairs and call out, Hold on! And you tie the scarf around the arm. It is weird. But it'll work, you think to yourself. 
Ferris beckons you to the den where others are gathered around a large leather couch tucked in a sunken rectangle around the first of many fires that you'll encounter that night. Rebecca is glowing. She offers a warm, too long hug to you and Galinda at the same time, which is awkward but efficient. You flirt briefly with your own surging jealousy that you feel when you see her caftan. It has an elaborately beaded owl across the front with gleaming eyes and outstretched wings, and oh, how you long to wear it! The beads reflect the firelight and cast little sparkles up on the sponge-painted walls and across the popcorn ceiling. Asbestos? You hear yourself muttering to yourself as you look up. They should have had that taken care of years ago. Isaiah is there, Yuri, Maxwell, and Detrice. Tiffany and Duff have all shown up. You begin to think that Carl didn't make it, but he pops out of the basement door holding a sweating bottle of Prosecco. He calls out to Galinda and they embrace. Make small talk with oddly named people wearing robes and white turbans. So many rings. It smells very piney in there. Detrice laughs too loud at something Yuri has said, and Maxwell takes out a pan flute from a velvet satchel. Oh, good. You feel someone next to you, a presence, a strange and wild energy that reminds you of a lightning storm rolling across the mesas in Santa Fe. Your inner clouds light up and crackle, and that one extra-long eyebrow hair you found rises at attention. Janice. She's changed her clothes. Or did you just not notice before? She's wearing a not a robe, really, just a silver-white swirl of fabric. It seems to swoop up and then down and then around, and you try to say hello, but you're too confused trying to figure out how this thing is held up. She offers you a sip from her chalice, a long tubular vessel made from a hollowed-out elk antler. Excited to drink from an elk chalice, you accept. The night goes on. Pan flute music fills the room. It gets too hot. Windows are opened. Yuri steals a smoke on the porch. His smile, big yellow teeth that spill out in every direction, is framed by the wild wisps of his black and gray beard. No hair on top, full hair everywhere. Again, that feeling of envy surfaces. It's just yesterday you were contemplating organic beard dyes and sorting through user reviews on Amazon. Yuri's high and exuberant laugh mixes with the smoke in the air. It's the smoke from those natural cigarettes, like all the other kids used to smoke in art school, waiting for their molds to set. And his laughter, like that smoke, begins to surround you and get in your clothes and in your hair, and you start to laugh, too. You're enjoying yourself, and things feel good. Just then, a great clanging of bells rings out. Janice makes a shot by cupping her hands with their perfectly manicured nails, each set with a little sparkle like a diamond. You've never noticed it before. But how do they get them there? What kind of glue do they use? Rebecca stands silently in the center of the room and softly says that it's time to make the call, to let our voices ring out in all seven directions, to usher in the new moon. She looks right at you and says, And yes, Dale, there will be cake after. Or whatever your name is. <laughs> Just substitute your own name. You know what I'm saying. The point is I like cake and everybody knows this. Back to you. We pick up a walking stick and a little basket as we go outside to a fire pit in the backyard. Has this been going the whole time? Who's been taking care of it? You see Janice grabbing another enormous log to throw on the pile, which she does, and it sends a cascade of sparks rising into the air above her. It lights the top of her forehead and her cheeks that are flushed from alcohol and reflects in her thick frame glasses. She is the clear kind of frames, which sometimes make a woman look as if they should be teaching a painting class at a community college, but only on the weekends. On her, they look 
surprisingly modern, and briefly you're taken out of the years-old ritual you were about to take part in. The sparks fade upward. And now it is time for our new moon wishes. Reach into your basket and read the cards aloud. This is your wish for the new year. A nervous twist happens inside you. You mean someone else is picking our moon wishes for us? How could they know what we need? What we want from the universe? You feel as if maybe this is the only child in you. You bat the feeling back down, down, poison jelly. Yuri reads his card. Success in reaching a higher plane. Oh, great, that would have been a good one. Maxwell, a joyous reunion. The F is this. You'd really love to see someone from your past, maybe an ex-wife, or it could be anything. I'm just saying, that's just one example. The others read their cards, each one more excruciating than the last and perfect. Oh, goddess, you think to yourself. You reach in the basket and bend at the edge of the card with your fingers. What does this say? You can't help it. You position the card so you can read it. The fire is scorching, causing sweat to fill the folds of your turtleneck. The wind shifts and the smoke is coming right at you. You let out a cough and a wheeze as you try to read the card. It says, give it time. You feel something in your body collapse. You feel the way you do when you go home and your parents have switched over to all those new kinds of light bulbs. Uneasy, cold, a flash of white light as if someone is taking your picture with a flash bulb that never goes off. Give it time. What does this mean? That's not a wish. That's an inevitable outcome of existence. You want a new wish. Who wrote this? Give what time? I've, you've been a professional comedian for 20 years. You're spiraling. Galinda puts her hand on my, your lower back. You can feel yourself hovering above yourself like you've just seen a robot that looks exactly like you, but something's wrong. The hair on its face is too even, too black. You've entered an uncanny valley of emotions. They should have asked you what you wanted. Who guesses at new moon wishes? Should this not be a sacred act? You feel around your pants pocket for a pen or a pencil, a piece of burnt wood to use as charcoal, anything to write something new. Janice looks directly at you. It's your turn. The owl on Rebecca's dress seems to cry out at you, its wide eyes burning a hole in your chest. Yuri smiles his leering smile, looking positively demented in the moonlight. He makes his own ceramic mugs. Did I mention that? He's really an amazing potter. Maybe he prefers ceramicist, but his pots are really where it's at. Potter's a better word, anyway. A noble profession. I know what a potter does, and I want more of them in my life. You try to form the words, any words, and out it comes in a garbled, messy shout, Give it time! And you throw the index card in the fire, and everyone lets out a cleansing breath, and Maxwell plays a tune on his flute, which is way less annoying now than you thought it would be, but still not a great sound. And yet... It's a better sound than what comes next, which is a whole lot of cuddling and heavy petting and people feeding each other kale roll-ups and wiping Rebecca's three-layer dip off each other's chins. And you realize it's probably time to go. You look around a little expectantly, but it seems like someone's going to have to go up and get their coat and scarf for themselves. The upstairs bedroom has red carpet and a look that seems to say, I've been to a candle store twice this week. You sort through the pile of coats and begin to walk away when you remember your scarf and you see it still tied through the sleeve, and that's kind of the high point of the night for you, which is sad, but also classic you. This wish, this gift, is not what you wanted, but it's what you got, and now you have to deal with it. And it's better than weird group sex with people you barely know. You have to abide by the moon wish until next year. See what time brings. Sometimes we're not in control of what enters our lives and at what moment, 
you may get a box set of Bruce Willis movies, because that's what was on sale at the front part of Marshall's. And someone would rather give you something than have you feel left out. There's got to be something to that. Don't read too much into the gift itself. Call an Uber and get home safe. And I guess use your new motto, give it time. Now, as it turns out, three weeks later, a gift card arrives in the mail. It's $100 at Lowe's. <laughs> ah, they do know you. It's signed with everlasting love from your friends of the moon, Ferris, Rebecca, and Janice. Still creepy that they all live together, but 100 bucks at Lowe's. <laughs> I can spend that however I want. And screw you, Lou. I mean you. I mean you can screw Lou. I mean you're the one with the gift that's actually perfect and don't get so upset all the time. Be patient for crying out loud. People know you. Now, with the holiday parties behind us, it's time to once again focus on the self and the home and the things that you can do to make your own physical environment more enjoyable. Transforming your home for the holidays can be a powerful tool to help you cope with this difficult time of year. And I made a list of some great things that you can have around the home to help ease your way through visits from friends, family, and old St. Nick. With a few changes, you can also make this work for other holidays like Arbor Day or Bastille Day. For instance, here's a solid tip to remember when you're bringing down plastic tubs full of fake pine wreaths from the attic. Be sure to build yourself some hiding places. Now, it can be behind an inflatable snowman, behind a row of giant nutcrackers. Find places to express your emotional devastation and relentless searing depressive episodes in peace. Do you need a giant manger to show off your love of Christ? Or do you need a place to cry alone? <laughs> It'll work for both. You can be crushed in a crash and no one will know. And if three people show up trying to give you stuff, make sure their names are Jack, Jim, and Old Crow. <laughs> rum pum 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 Hold the pum. Now, you don't need a Christmas tree that's going to stay up. Get yourself an unstable tree. Make sure they cut it at an angle at the Christmas tree place. Nothing's permanent. Be on edge all the time. Are the ornaments going to crash and fall? Maybe. Keep your wits about you. Now, this next one is a specialty of mine. Nog stockings. Now, what you'll need for this is a pastry bag full of a potent nog. And uh, then you can just cut the foot part. Okay, just, the, just snip the tootsies. And uh, that's where you can put the nozzle. And uh, whenever you hear your niece say, Alexa, play Santa, baby, uh, head on over to the stockings and see what's been left in there for you. Oh, this is an important one to make sure you have around the home this time of year. One burned out bulb, but it's going to affect all the others. The level of frustration will burn you out before you even get to your relative's house. <laughs> I highly recommend it. Oh, this next one, a gingerbread hospital. You see a lot of people with gingerbread homes that they make around around this time of year, but then why not scale it up and build yourself a couple of stories, a gingerbread hospital. Remember that one Christmas you spent in the hospital watching your mother die of cancer? Well, now you can recreate that every year in edible cake form. Here comes the gumdrop infection that's going to spread to her blood. <laughs> and don't worry, it'll crumble just like your faith in Western medicine. Oh, this is important too. Misplace your dustbuster. Let the pine needles gather. Let them travel throughout your home so that Christmas is never really over. You'll find those in your socks in April. Oh, oh, and I can't stress this enough. Make sure that your ornaments are fragile, like the feelings of loved ones. They will break and you will have to pick up the pieces. Of course, this is a partial list, but you get the idea. If you have some thoughts you want to send in, some holiday helpers out there, by all means, do it and I'll post them or retweet them, whatever feels safe. 
And if you get through the next three weeks, well, by goddess, congratulations, you did it. I hope that you enjoy this season that we're muddling through. I want you to be responsible, be kind, be grateful, help out others if you can, and don't be afraid to ask for help if you need it. I thank you so much for listening. I think we've all progressed here tonight, and we've, we're going to have such a wonderful uh, solstice season ahead. I love all of you, my fellow denizens of the deep. Personal reading and lucky numbers are off for the rest of the year, so let's just go right to the credits and remember that although this night is ending, a bright new day is just ahead. Deep Night with Dale is produced by James Bewley. Season 11 podcast icon designed by Candace Broersma. Deep Night theme by Zach Gabbard. Music heard throughout the show is provided by the talented roster at Haller Hills Farm in Ohio. Plus some other stuff at the top that Dale just finds online and downloads to a secret folder. Poster artwork this season provided by Ronald Horn Industries, Maria Wen, and Scott Balmer, among others. Live shows every other month at The Slipper Room. Studio services provided by HarvestWorks in New York City. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts. You can also listen to the show on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and catch some of the episodes on YouTube. Now it's time to close up the portal and leave you with Gaia's blessings. Good night. <laughs>